There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Lou. This episode, along with every episode this season, is brought to you by our sponsor, KFC. Buckets! So, as you probably would have guessed, on this week's episode, we have an incredibly special guest in Raptors broadcasting legend, Jack Armstrong. Jack, welcome to the show. William, I'm happy to be here. and We got KFC sponsors. Yeah. I love it. A little buckets! Listen, uh, Jack is one of the nicest people in this industry, and maybe one of the nicest people that uh, just are... In the city and in the world in general. Checks in the mail, William. Listen, because I got to say, you know, a a big screw up on my part. The technical things fell through when we did this last time. uh, Last time this week, basically. And, uh, you know, not a lot of of people would agree to re-record and and do it again. It's my pleasure. Very generous of you. And, you know, why do they put erases on pencils? People make mistakes. And it wasn't you making the mistake. It was the machine making the mistake. So we'll blame the machine, not you. So... Technical difficulties above and beyond your control. Here I am. Yeah, and listen, we had a. It was a lot of gold last time, so we'll, we'll at least try to make this into silver. We'll do the best we can. So I'm going to ask you questions about the Raptors, and then we're going to go on to talk about your career, and then also just get your uh, advice on life. Really, you're just one of the most, uh, you know, one of the wisest people doing this. So let's start with the Raptors. The easy stuff. The Raptors are what 15 and five this year on pace for 60 wins. I got to say, you know, even before any of the players, the guy that really stands out to me is Nick Nurse because I think he has just proven to be, you know, last year he already won a championship. And I think a lot of people, at least to the on the surface level, you think of it as he had so much talent. Um, you know, he had a winning organization that he was stepping into. He had all these great players. Of course he won a championship. And so I don't know if he got the full credit last year just because that's sort of the nature of this league. But this year, especially um, with expectations being a little bit lower, for Nick Nurse to have this team at fifteen and five with a top ten offense and defense, to me, is just incredibly, you know, um, special. And and your experience as a coach, I'm sure you can speak to, you know, just Nick in general. Well, I, I think the guy is a really talented guy. Um, I got to know Nick real well uh, in his time as an assistant for Dwayne Casey. He did a great job for Dwayne, and um, Nick is one of those guys that. Uh, they used to say this about Don Shula. He can take his and beat yours. He can take yours and beat his. He can coach all phases of the game. He, he got hired as this offensive savant, and yet he's shown me that he can coach all phases. He can coach the D. He's got good uh, leadership skills. He's got good CEO skills. Uh, he communicates well with the guys. He, uh, they respect him. They play hard for him. He can be tough when he has to be. He can be funny when he has to be. Um He's a baller. He's a hooper. He's into it. And the guy, you know, the thing I love about he, you know, his name, uh, coach of the month the other day. And I sent Nick a text. I said, as a former coach, congratulations, because you're a guy that paid his dues. 
And I'm happy when guys like you win awards because to me, uh, and we've seen this a lot in the NBA, a lot of times jobs are handed to people. It's like a lifetime achievement award. And people get these jobs and they're not qualified for them. And Nick uh, rolled up his sleeves and got dirt under his fingernails and, and took the crappy buses and, and, you know, and, and earned it the old-fashioned way. You know? and, and so I'm really happy for a guy like that. Uh, he's a savant. He's a, he's a forward thinker. Uh, he's really a, he's, he has what we call intellectual curiosity, which I really like. Uh, he'll, he looks at, at things a lot of different ways. He's a really good strategist. Um, I, you know, when I was a young coach, I was taught, you got to read the book, Sun Tzu, Art of War, Choose Your Battlefield. Right. I think Nick is a guy that understands, uh, hey, what are my strengths? What am I hiding? What are your strengths? What are you hiding? And I'm going to get you engaged in an area of the game, a stylistic matchup, schematic uh, personnel groupings, whatever it is. That I'm going to I'm going to finally pick your weakness, and I'm going for it. And I'm going to do you know. So he's really good at that. Uh, I would describe him as a uh, you know. There's a difference between being a wartime general and a peacetime general. I think he's a wartime general. When the bullets start flying, I think he's really good under stress, under duress, the bright lights. He's really good on his feet. He's excellent making in-game adjustments. I learned this a long time ago. You know, you, you have a few good practices coming into the game, and then it all goes to hell. And you're going, what the hell happened here? We had a few great practices. Of course we did. We stink. We played against each other in practice. <laughs> yeah. You know, now you're playing against the Lakers and the yeah. Clippers and the Rockets and the Heat or whatever. Yep. Their, their starters are better than your second unit guys. So they're going to do things to make you uncomfortable. Yep. And now in game, you have to be able to adjust to what they're throwing at you. Mm-hmm. And I think he, you know, he doesn't, he's not married to any one thing. Right. right. Uh, and he, I think he just, he has that creativity. Uh, that I really like, and, you know, and, and you, you know, you mentioned the talent level for the team a year ago; they were really good. But ask yourself this: Who did Kawhi Leonard have the a career year playing for? Best year of his career, yeah, for was Nick in, Nurse in Toronto. Yeah, who did Danny Green, who a lot of people were wondering whether he was done, right? Who did he have a, a year of renaissance under? Yeah, last year, yeah. not Greg Popovich. Yeah, yeah. You know, Greg Popovich, a Hall of Fame coach. You know, we all bow at the altar of Greg Popovich. And and believe me, I think the guy's a great coach. Of course, of course. I think the coach that Toronto has uh, helped Kawhi Leonard and helped Danny Green reach somewhere that there was a lot of question whether they can get there. Mm -hmm. Um, He deserves credit for that. Uh, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and so many other guys, uh, and obviously the entire team getting where they got to. So – it was a bold, visionary, uh, tough decision for Masai Ujiri, mm-hmm. uh, and it worked out beautifully. The guy, the guy's incredibly qualified to be the coach of the Raptors. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at Nick in terms of just his creativity, as you mentioned, he's just not afraid to do things out of the box. Like he'll he'll throw out a box and one in the finals. He's playing triangle and two a lot this year, like. A, Two three zone, you know, there's a lot of double teaming, and I think it helps because the Raptors have such a high IQ 
team and you know they went to the finals so they had a lot of time to practice everything and and really practice hard i mean you're in the playoffs and you practice something i think you'll remember it uh but just when you look around the league it's just the sophistication in which the raptors have in terms of defensive they have like five six different schemes they can go to and they can change them up in the middle of a game i think it just makes them really adaptable well i think uh, william you bring you hit on a really good point i th- i think when you're coaching situations like in europe and you coach in situations like the g league you're constantly having curveballs and knuckleballs yeah. thrown your way. You don't have an ideal situation. The thing I love about Nick is that he never talks about what he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. He only talks about what he does have. And I just like the fact that he's curious and he's open-minded. Uh, I think one of the disastrous things that I, I've seen in my 22 years in the NBA is coaches get a job and they use the same exact base coverages and – basic offensive philosophies as everyone else does. Well, guess what? Why are we paying you? Why are we paying you? And you're going to get fired because you're trying to play like the Warriors and you don't have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Uh, you you got to look at your team and say, what can they do? What can't they do? Right. Uh, maybe we need to defend differently. Maybe we need to do different things offensively. Maybe we need to be a little unorthodox. Yeah. Uh, if you give me a bad job, I'm not going to coach like – uh, the top 10 teams in a league, yeah. I'm going to do things to make you uncomfortable right, because right. If, if I have to match up with you, choose your battlefield. Yeah. If I got to match up for you talent for talent, yeah. uh, I, 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 can't, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't stand in the middle of the ring for 15 rounds. Mm-hmm. I got to bob and weave and, and hit you a little bit and then run yeah. and come back when you're not ready. And, you know, just, it, it, and so I think Nick has learned over a long period of time in some really challenging uh, situations that test your creativity. Right. That stuff. The other thing, too, is he is a true blue coach. Right. He has been at coaching clinics. He has sat and X and O'd for years. Uh, he's a, a basketball coach. Uh, you know, and again, you, you look at, uh, and I think our league now has more guys like that than ever before. Right. But if you looked at the NBA when I started 22 years ago, and I, I could, uh, we could, you and I could sit and go through a list of the 30 teams and how many of uh, how many teams had guys that were unqualified to be head coaches. Right, right. Um, Nick is like really qualified, yeah. uh, to be a head coach in this league. So I, I just love his his uh, he's he's. He's prepared and ready mm-hmm. and uh, to do what he does. And, and he was a great hire by them. Yeah. I, I you know, and he's uh he's he's good for the media too, I think. For our types. You know, he's he's a straight he's a straight shooter in uh in, in most regards. I mean he's he's been pretty upfront with all the guys. Like I saw him at practice yesterday and he, he talked somebody was asking him about Norman Powell and moved back to the bench. Because Kyle's back in the in the fold and he's healthy and he just said, Hey, listen, Norm, your role for this team is to come off the bench and make an impact and be a star in that role, and you can, you know, just basically just accept the role. And, and you know, that's that's the role the team has but, for you. And, and that's, then, and that's know, communication. Yeah, and then, you know, Norm played really well, and this is kind of the same thing with Rondé early in the season. He called him out and said, hey, you're not playing defense yeah. up to Raptor standard. And then, like, a month later, he's defending Kawhi Leonard well, on the road. it is the thing about Nick, too, uh, William. I, I think he is a guy, he's, a, you know, he's a true blue, honest, Midwestern Iowa guy. Mm. There's no agenda. There's no. Yeah. Fo- he's not a phony. Yeah. You know, and players can spot a phony a mile away. 
and p- players know when people lie to them. Right. And people, they know when you're blowing smoke up the proverbial you-know-what. Yeah. So Nick is just what you see is what you get. And I think overwhelmingly players want that. They want to know where they stand. They want to be coached. They want to get better. And to me, I think he uh, he, he communicates well with them and gets them to see the light, mm-hmm. which a lot of times is difficult. Right. Um, now, in terms of the players, I think the guy that's impressed me most this year, even more than Pascal in a way, because I, I kind of know – we kind of knew that Pascal had the talent to sort of do what he does. And, of course, it takes so much effort and, and commitment and skill and training to get to this level. But a guy like Fred Van Vliet really impresses me because there's a lot of questions around Fred all the time. He's too small, this and that. And I, I find it funny because the guy Fred reminds me the most is Kyle Lowry. And I almost look at him now as – like a young Kyle Lowry clone, you know, maybe not as athletic as young Kyle Lowry was because young Kyle Lowry was a, like he could dunk the ball. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure Fred can do that in a game setting, but uh, Fred has just improved and matured so much. What have you seen from Fred? Uh, he's a better player than what Kyle Lowry was at that age. Okay. Kyle, because he was more mature, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Kyle at that point in his career, uh, was still at a point where it was constant conflict with coaches and um, he wasn't that polished guy yet. Yeah. Fred is a mature, polished guy that, uh, you know, isn't, you know, those things don't become part of him, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and to me, I, I you know he was he was in one of the best backcourts in college basketball in the last few decades at Wichita State, number one team college basketball, Final Four. He and Ron Baker were unbelievable. I think they lost like something like twenty games over four yeah, years. Yeah, no, the guy's a winner. The, con- <laughs> the guy's a, a, and there's no question now, William, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he could be a starting point guard in this league. And on top of that, he. Uh, can be a starting point, quarter, a quarterback, point guard on a winning team. Yeah, and I think that's even more important. There are plenty of guys that start in this league that acquire stats, right, but don't win. Yeah, he is a guy that uh, will lead a winning team, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think he's a two-way player. Right, he's a tremendous defender. He's super smart. He had a game the other night in Orlando. I was chatting right. with him after the game. He had seven steals and he had eleven deflections on yeah. uh, twelve deflections. I'm sorry. So you talk about an impact player, and he's a little guy. Yeah, and he's blowing up. He is absolutely yeah. blowing up yeah. uh, Orlando's offense. He's inside, uh, you know, the gears of uh, of of the of their offense and completely yeah. destroying everything they were trying to do. And then he knows how to run your team offensively. He's smart. He's fearless. He's tough. Really good shooter too. He's yeah. he, he's sound. He's got good mechanics. Yeah. And he's a and he's got what I call shooting toughness, uh, meaning that um, there are certain guys that shoot it, but they're hoping. Yeah. He knows it's going in because he's oh, yeah. paid the price and he shoots it with conviction. Yeah. And he shoots it with big onions. You yeah. know, like he's not afraid. He, You know, what do they say? You live with the shot. Yeah. Uh, he'll live with the miss. Yeah. He'll take the shot, though. And uh, and he'll stand in front of you after a game. You put a microphone in his face and he'll be a man about it. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and own up to whatever happened. That's right. Um, and, you know, let's not forget, like game six – of the finals. I still remember this so deeply, but it, it felt like Kawhi was running out of steam. You know, he was still, you know, uh, obviously incredible, but he was running out of steam a little bit. 
Kyle had a hot start, was not as consistent throughout the game. And Pascal was involved throughout, but it was not the featured guy. In that fourth quarter, Fev Van Vliet, I think he played the entire like second half. But, um, yeah, he had, I think, 12 points in the fourth quarter of game six to just close out that game. And it's well, my, just, guy, my guy UB Brown voted him for the MVP in the, yeah. in the finals. And I, I, you know, I've it's known, not ridiculous, completely ridiculous. I've spoken to UB about it. Yeah. And he said, Jack, he goes, you watch the games like me. A lot of these people just look at the stats and that's it. He said, that guy is running through 4 billion screens yeah. that are being set for Steph Curry. Yeah. And he goes, he's meeting them on the catch, sometimes preventing them catching. Yeah. He goes, that guy is helping you slow down and neutralize one of the great players in the league. Yeah. And then he's giving it to you on the offensive end. Yeah. You know, so Fred is uh, just a remarkable, competitive, intelligent. Uh, he's got what we call makeup, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's what scouts live for. And um, I just love his approach. I love his makeup. Um, and, and you know, it's interesting. I'll, I, oh, I'll never forget this. A few years ago, the Raptors – what was it? The bench mob. They were rolling. Mm-hmm. They had that fun group. And Fred was part of that. And, you know, LeBron James, who has a, f- a photogenic memory. Yep. Yep. He showed up here to Toronto. We were, the Raptors were playing the Cavs. Right. And he went on and on about Fred Van Vliet. Wow. And to me, I'm like, if you get in the crosshairs of LeBron James and he knows who you are, because this dude is a basketball psycho. He loves it. Yeah. If he if you've gotten his attention, you've done something good. You're good. Yeah. So to me, uh, you know, think of what Kevin Durant said about him this that's summer. Right. That's right. You know, so that, that's the highest form of praise is when your peers and particularly guys that are elite, elite, got whole, first ballot Hall of Famers mm-hmm. are saying, "Hey man, I would die to have that guy on my team." Yeah. So uh, he's that guy. He's that special, and Toronto's lucky to have him. And then the last guy I want to ask you about, um, there's been a lot of heat over the years. Well, not over the years, over the last couple of weeks. Just saw Marcus Gasol, just because he's not scoring much. Um, his shot definitely isn't quite there. He might be in a transitioning period of his career. But I think, to me, when I watch the games, Marcus Gasol is still... Not only does he deserve to be in the starting lineup, he's still one of the most important players on the team because he anchors one of the best defenses in the league. He's always in position. And offensively, it's almost like a first of a kind, really like a 3 and D kind of center that passes the ball beautifully. He makes the offense really run as well. Well, you know, number one, we ha- we are here in Toronto, and, and I, 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 I get, I'm with you, William. I mean, too many people get all caught up. And look, he's he's had his struggles uh, with, yeah, with no shooting doubt. accuracy. No doubt. It's almost like a guy who's struggling with his putting. He's struggling with his putting right now. Can you come out of that? Absolutely you can come out of it because he's made his putts before. He's made yeah. his shots before. But here's what you have. You have one of the two finest passing big men in the world. Yeah. You got Jokic in right. Denver, and you got Gasol here in Toronto. Uh, you it, it takes so much pressure off your point guard. You think of the team without Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, their offense still had beautiful flow and creativity because you had a second playmaker on the floor with Fred Van Vliet or right, with, right. with a young Terrence Davis that – the, the offense never looks stagnant because he creates flow. Mm-hmm. If I play with him, I'm going to cut and screen and use screens and and like and sprint through my cuts because that guy, if I get open, he's finding me. Yeah, 
He's a tremendous screen setter. Yep. You know, I, I and I like that stat. I'm a, not a big stat guy, but the screen assist to me yeah. uh, is a really cool thing to evaluate. Uh, who's always open? The guy who sets the screen. A lot of times he'll set the screen. He'll free someone up. He'll get it swung to him. And now he's swinging it to the next guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, if you know, and here's the thing. I think if, it would be a great story for you to do. Go spend some time with uh, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and um, OG Ananobi and talk about what's it like to be on the back end of Marcus Ole's greatness. Mm-hmm. You know, what's it like to receive a screen from him? Right. What's it like to receive a back cut pass from him? Right. What's it like? to receive a pass that's leading you right into the shot you're about to make. Right. You know, if you're a receiver and you have the benefit of playing with Tom Brady, all you got to do is run your pad in precisely. Yep. He's going to put it right where you to you and mm-hmm. away from the defense. So I, I think you have a guy, and you're right, he still has a lot of, of great attributes defensively. Right. Um, he's tremendous in screen and roll. He's a great communicator. He understands help, rotations, communication, multiple effort. Right. Uh, he knows how to acutely give you the excuse me bump without getting yeah. called for a foul. It's very subtle, but he's, it's he very gives important. you the, the, the he's great at chesting people. Yeah. And getting and he's so strong. Yeah. Uh so you know, do the Raptors beat Orlando last year without him? They probably do. Right. Just on uh, talent. But do they beat Philadelphia without him? I would say probably not. Yeah. Uh, and I love Jonas Valanciunas. Of course, and Jonas of Valanciunas course. is a great player. I just think Marcus Sol gave them a, a, a next level element intellectually mm-hmm. yeah. uh, on both ends of the court and experience wise and savvy as an older player right. that they needed at that point. And I still think he brings great value. And I th- I, I find him to be a joy to watch. Yeah, he really is, and he's very unselfish. I, I just I love basketball players that are unselfish and for the team and I don't think you'll find more unselfish players than Marcus and you know what that does uh, William it makes the pass a cool thing right and uh, you know when that you know Nick Nurse used though and when the ball's popping you know when yeah, the yeah. ball's popping well who creates the pop you know look I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me I'm just mm-hmm. I can remember it visually uh, when Marcus soul was acquired by the Raptors the flow the oh, movement yeah. The side top side stuff, the ball getting to the weak side, uh, giving up good ones to get great ones, all that increased incrementally mm-hmm. because he made the pass cool. Right, right. So and guys know, hey, I'm going to get it back. I'm telling you, it's a great story for you to write. Like just the, right. how cool is it to play with Marcus Sol? I mean, I I think I'm going to work you're, on this if you're a, if you're one of the other four guys. You're like, man, this guy's selfless. Yeah, he cares about my success more than he cares about his own. It really like that's, does. That's what. This is a team sport. This yeah. isn't golf or tennis. This is a team sport. Yeah, he cares more about OG Ananobi's success than he does his own. Right. And I think that in, in 2019, with too many people fix, fixated on fantasy sports and statistics, uh, I think it's really cool to have a teammate like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, now we're on to the career portion. You've had a long and celebrated career. Um, for you, this past summer, that experience to call the Toronto Raptors, finally winning the NBA title, what was that like for you? Um, it must have been surreal. I remember we were talking about it in Oakland, sort of just, I don't know, things shoot around. I didn't realize how much of a circus the NBA finals was. <laughs> There's like thousands of media there. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I, you know, I I just when that when that title happened for me, I actually just end up thinking about like all the people that end up covering the game that have been involved with the team because the team is not just like the the twenty guys on the roster and the coaches or whatever like that. The, it's a whole organization. And like for me, I grew up listening, you know, to you. Not to make you feel old, I'm sorry, but like you know, thanks. I'm, I'm old, I guess. Huh? <laughs> I'm not old, but you're making me feel like it. Yeah. So, how was that moment for you? Uh, what was well, going through your mind? A few things. Uh, number one, I've been here 22 years, and um, so uh, I finally, I actually had an opportunity to watch the game for the first time about a month ago. And I, you know, would the Raptors have twenty-two playoff games? I didn't watch something like that. Yeah, I didn't watch any. I had no time. I, let me tell you something. You mentioned the NBA Finals is a circus. From the day the Raptors acquired Kawhi Leonard, yeah, my true, professional life and even my personal life has been significantly different mm-hmm. because the demands on my time, yeah, and the time of everyone here in the last seventeen months. I mean. We got a fifteen and five team here right yeah, now. Yeah, oh yeah. Playing, you know, before we're sitting here before they play the Rockets tonight. Every game's a sellout. Yeah. TV ratings are booming. Yeah. People are excited about the Raptors, and I love Kawhi Leonard. But you know what? People are talking about the Raptors. Then yeah, I talk yeah, about yeah. You know, they'll talk about Kawhi next week when he comes sure, back. Sure, sure, sure. But the oh hey, you lost Kawhi. That's all gone. Yeah, I mean the fifteen and five. Up, it's all gone. Yeah. So to me, uh, but I never had time to even watch the games. We were just so damn busy. It was such a circus. Yeah, uh, my off season's been crazy. My season again this year's been, which is these are all positive problems. Oh, of course, of course. So I, I think of that night. I think of Sarah McLaughlin, if I'm not mistaken, sang the national anthem, and I'll never forget. I'm you know the anthems, and I'm, I'm standing there with Matt on the court, game six, and I'm saying to myself, they're gonna blank and win here tonight. Oh yeah. Uh, I you know they beat him beat him in Oakland during the regular season blew him out without Kawhi in Oakland yep. they beat him the other two times there and I was like they're beating him again yeah and so I'm just thinking during the anthem hey man this is like uh, probably going to be the highest rated uh, basketball game in Canadian sports history right you're doing the game and I, I have a line all the time I use you got to meet the moment yeah you got to you know so like I felt like. You know, you get in that zone where you're like, this is what I've dreamt of my whole life. Yeah. And I'm ready. Yeah. And I'm ready. So, like, right. when I looked at Fred Van Vliet that night, I was like, I'm not out there playing. Mm-hmm. But as a broadcaster, I'm like, I feel yeah, you. I feel you, man. Yeah. I feel like I, I've worked my whole life for this and my whole career coaching and now broadcasting. Yeah. Like, this is what this is what you know. Like I'm ready for this. I'm not afraid of it. I want it. Right. So, uh, it's still surreal to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it was a, a great. And I'm so happy for our fans. I, I've been in the, the, this place is just it's so it's such a joy to work here. Yeah. Um, we have the most culturally diverse fan base in the NBA. It's like coming to the United Nations. Uh, Canada, I, I just love, the, I mean, I'm an American that works in Canada and I just, I think it's just such a cool place. Right. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a first generation guy. My parents are immigrated to the United States in the 1950s and I totally get there's so many new Canadians here. And right. I think our sport has really connected with them. Our team is connected with them. A hundred percent. And it sort of be part of all that, like that feeling. Yeah. Um, Going to a Raptor road game, it's like Alabama football. It's like Kentucky basketball. Yeah. 
in Oakland in game three, four, and six, yeah. our fans, there's thousands of them. Yep. There, not, there were three full sections of Raptor fans that were celebrating. And Dennis Scott, who works with the NBA, NBA TV, he came over to me. He said, Jack, this is like the Final Four. Yeah. He goes, that's like the Kentucky rooting section. Or, yeah. you know, or, you know, and I'm like, it's like Manchester United. They're yeah. singing the national anthem. It's it's craziness. Yeah. It's like a so there is no other fan base uh, diversity, mm-hmm. and there's no other fan base um, like the Toronto Raptors. I mean, right. it's just and it's a national following. All the games are on national TV. It's, right. it's national radio during the playoffs. It's just it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And and honestly, I I thought back of like. To the days where, you know, I would watch the Raptors and, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. They were like, what, winning 22 games a season. And the broadcast almost at that time it was entertainment because – or forced to entertain in a way because the product on the court just wasn't entertaining. You know, like it just – it wasn't fun watching some of these guys. And so, you know, to hear those moments, you know, um, from you, from Leo, from Matt – uh, and, and even from the American broadcasters. But honestly, you know, whatever. Mike Breen is amazing. He does all the finals. You know, incredible guy. But I, I really just wanted to hear that Canadian broadcast too just because um, I knew. Like the same voices that were telling him about Jared Jack and, you know, having a double-double. Yeah, and, and, singing, you're, sing- and singing you're singing and dancing because you're trying yeah, to keep. And look, it's a I, long way. I look at this job uh, and, you know, I, you know, people look at you as the Raptor guy, but I, I feel like. I have a responsibility as an ambassador of the sport. Right. You know, we're trying one person at a time to convert them. And I'm, I'm not saying convert them away from hockey. I'm saying just come on. Yeah. You know, we have room. We have room. For at everyone. The, at the table for everybody. And right. I think that's the thing I love about this sport and this fan base. It's so cool. It's so diverse. And everyone comes together and roots for it. I thought it was a unifying force in the country. Definitely. Um, and to, it, it just, to me, it was uh, just a joy to be part of, of, of something that special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've had some really bad teams. We've had some really good teams. We've had teams any, in somewhere in between. But uh, it's fun to be able you know, I, I think it's important to be an ambassador, not only of the Toronto Raptors, but our sport, our league, yeah, and what a great, great thing it is. And uh, so to see uh, people follow the NBA and they're not Raptor fans, yeah. I'm fine with that. To see people just so excited about the fact that Canada is number two in the world in representation in the NBA, yeah. I'm cool with that. I think that's great. That's amazing. Uh, it, it raises all boats. Right. Um, now, going back to um, you and the way you started in broadcasting – so you were in coaching. Your coaching record, I looked it up. It's horrible, 100 and 154. Okay, you have that on top of your head. Wow. Well, I also had a 100% graduation rate, so I'm, I'm proud it, of that. It's, that's right. Uh, but, hey, that's, you know, I failed. You know, you do, I had some good years. I had mm. some bad years. Um, I call this job uh, its sports version of white-collar crime. It's the greatest scam going. I went from idiot to expert overnight. I mean, oh, like, yeah. People actually think I know what I'm talking about. It's the greatest scam going. They put fired coaches on TV uh-huh. and now and put a microphone in front of you or put you on the radio, and people actually think you know what you're talking about. It's, 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 like, it's like highway robbery. So it's, uh, but I love it. Yeah. And, uh, Do you miss coaching? No. <laughs> uh, not one bit. Uh, you know why? Because I have a smile on my face. I loved every bit of coaching. It right. was a great experience. 
I, I miss the brotherhood and the camaraderie and the intensity and the game prep and the teaching, uh, the impact you can have on a young person's life. Of course. I miss all that. On the other hand, I feel like I have the best seat in the house. I'm around players. I'm around coaches. I'm around executives and, and, and broadcasters and writers and referees and scouts. And mm-hmm. so I'm mm-hmm. in the gym every day. This yeah. is my office. Yeah. And I walk out with a smile on my face, win or lose. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great, great way to make a living. Um, I looked into this. You and Matt Devlin actually crossed paths like over 20 years ago. You guys did some college basketball games together. What was young Matt Devlin like? Well, not only did we do college basketball, we did the WNBA together for two years for oh, MSG Network nice, for the nice. New York Liberty. Matt uh, had the great hair, right, and the great pipes. He's like uh, he's like Canada's version of Jim Nance. Yeah, he's yeah. got uh, uh, Matt could call any sport. Matt's a credible talent. He he's really a great is. talent. I, I've been very fortunate on the TV side uh, to work with Matt and obviously Chuck Swirsky. And uh, on the radio side, I've worked with Chuck and and Paul Jones. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've been with great people. And when uh, Chuck made the decision to go to Chicago, which we were all heartbroken about, and Chuck was incredible here. Um, Beloved, really. Chris Hab, who was the head of broadcast here at the time, you know, he threw a few names by me, and one of the names was Matt Devlin, who was in Charlotte doing the uh, Bobcats. Or I think they were the Bobcats at yep. that time. I'm like, honestly, that's the guy. Yeah. Like, he's the guy. He's awesome. And I had worked with him. Uh, I don't think my recommendation, you know, I – I don't think they hired him because of my recommendation. Well, I care I some just, weight. Come on. I just uh, literally just said, this guy's got it. Yeah. He's really special, and he'll do a great job. And I give Matt a lot of credit. This is year 12 for Matt. Yeah. The first few years were tough because you're replacing a guy that got to a point of, like, iconic status. Yeah, oh, of in course. Chuck. Yeah. Uh, and Chuck was great for the Raptors right. helping that transition uh, w- with a young team, a young franchise. Mm-hmm. And he, he got people excited about basketball. Uh, Matt now has completely and totally found his footing. And uh, so like, I think the Toronto Raptors are so lucky to have had guys like them uh, call games and I'm lucky to have worked with them. And, and, you know, the the late, great John Saunders was with of us course. as well early on, and John was a, a beautiful person and a great, great guy and a terrific broadcaster. And so we've had some big-time people yeah. as the voices of the Raptors. And I'll and I tell you what, on the radio side, uh, I, I work with Jonesy, yeah. and Jonesy is a baller, man. The guy yeah, is a yeah. great, great basketball guy, and he loves it. He's prepared. He's raring to go. Eric Smith does the radio play-by-play as well for the fan. Uh, we got we got we got really good people. Yeah, we really do. And yourself, don't sell yourself well, short. No. Come on now. I'm just lucky to be along <laughs> for the ride. Um, yeah, and then um, I just have here written f- favorite Chuck Swirsky memory. There's got to be a lot of them, but if you got um, if you got to pick one or two, well, I, I think it, I don't know. If I, William, I don't know if it was back-to-back games. It might have been. But uh, we were on the road, and Vince Carter made a game winner at Boston. And then, I don't know if it was the next game or like a week later, Vince made a game winner uh, in L.A. against the Clippers. Mm. And literally, I thought Chuck was going to have a coronary on the air. I mean, he <laughs> and we were doing radio at the time. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, those radio replays right. played all over North America. And right. more importantly... Uh, it, it, his 
crazy enthusiasm and mm-hmm. just bug out. Yeah. Um, got people going, what is this thing going on with the Raptors with yeah. this guy, Vince Carter? And maybe yeah. I need to tune in. Maybe I need to go to a game because uh, this guy is just going so crazy about it. There must be something going on that I'm missing. Right, right, right. So he kind of got people to look under the hood yeah. and come in and come under the tent and check it out. Uh, and then the other one would be uh, when Mo Peterson made that insane shot against uh, the Washington yeah, Wizards. Right. Michael Sam, Ruffin with the with the great assist. Yeah, and Sam Mitchell will be here tonight, and Sam doing the Irish jig, running off the court and screaming. <laughs> and but Chuck, uh, I did the game with him that yeah, night yeah. too, and that was like utter bedlam and insanity. Yeah. I think so, they won in overtime too. Uh, I can't even remember. It was yeah. such a blur, but I, I remember the shot. And yeah. he he just. Um, he got you juiced up. He yeah, got he you fired up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, every guy has their different styles and different mm-hmm. calls. But now I look at uh, Matt. Matt's had some iconic moments oh, yeah. himself. Right. Um, and honestly, as a color guy, and, and you know, I, I know Leo would say this, and Jonesy and, and Sherman, uh, we, we all serve at TV, radio, whatever it is in terms of color ro- ro- roles sometimes. You know, you just ride the coattails of the play-by-play guy. You, you right, know, right. they're the stars. We're just kind of, we're the, you know, they're the steak. We're the mashed potato. Oh, come you know? on! I mean, they are no because you, you're, you you're play like off the potatoes of and the gravy. No, and- whatever. But they, you you play off of their greatness. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, you know, Matt and Chuck are just they're big time. Right. And then last question about the career thing. The Hito Turkoglu ball interview. In- <laughs> infamous, really. Yeah. Uh, what was the backstory there? Was there like some tension? Like what was going on? Because it seemed uh, like Hito was Hito, almost mad Hito and I are cool and we were cool. Okay. Uh, it was one of those situations. We're in Madison Square Garden. And I, by the way, I got my you-know-what busted all over North America. Oh, I'll yeah, never yeah. forget, I did the Raptor-Nick game when Hito did the ball thing with me. And then the next night, I went to Boston. I had a college game, I think for ESPN. And I'm in my hotel room, uh, you know, getting ready for to go over to the arena. I don't even know what the game was. Might have been Boston College or Northeastern or BU, sure. whatever. And here's uh, the guy, Kornheiser and Wilbon, what are they, part of the interruption or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're showing that, <laughs> and it's on the blooper reels. Everyone, everywhere I turn, yeah. you know, I look like a complete idiot, which I am. But uh, Hito, basically, I just said to him, hey, you know, you, you, you know, you, you played well tonight. What mm-hmm. was the difference? And he looked at me. He goes, ball. I'm like, humming, 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 humming. I'm like, I'm like, Wait, who am I? Uh, Jim Nance? Uh, uh, not Jim. Uh, no, I'm, well, who am I? Like Jim Gray or yeah. uh, Ahmad Rashad? I'm not a sideline guy, but yeah. on the road games for TSN. They have me, uh, we don't have a sideline person. So you just jump from behind the desk. I jump and you from come behind the, court, the desk. Yeah. And so now here I am, like, you know, Sammy sideline man, you know? Right. And uh, I'm like, humming, humming, humming. What do I do here? So I said, okay, so you had the ball in your hand. And he goes, yeah. And he walks away. I'm like, what the hell just happened then? Yeah. And uh, back to you, Matt. Yeah. Uh, literally, Hito, uh, a few days later, came up to me, says, I am really sorry. Yeah. And what basically I found out was he was pissed off at Jay Triano because he didn't like his role. Right. Uh, now, in defense of Jay, uh, Hito did not, you know, signed a big contract, was not in shape. Right. He was getting booed. People were all over him. Yep. And uh, so Jay kind of reduced his role a little bit and changed the offense a little because he, this guy's not delivering the yeah, goods. Of I got I got to go somewhere else. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to keep my job. Right. So Hito uh, 
that was kind of like him firing the shot over the bow. Right, right. Saying, hey, man, you give me the ball, I'm going to get it done. Uh, so I happened to be caught in the middle of a you-know-what storm. Right. You know? But it was, it was funny. It's an, it made it's for a great me- TV. I haven't seen it in quite a while. Oh, my I'd God. Love, I'm, I'm sure uh, – what do they have, the like the uh, – uh, all-time great uh, blooper moments in TV or whatever. I think TSN has those. I'm sure I'll be on there at some point. Yeah, it's an incredible moment. But it's good to know that you and Hito are okay. And oh, that yeah. It wasn't a beef between you and Hito. Because no, no, people speculate, fine. you know. When you just see things on TV, they just speculate. No, no. Yeah. All right. And then let's move on to questions about life in general. So uh, I read that you have three adopted kids. Uh, what, what went into your decision uh, to adopt? And how has your experience as a parent sort of changed and shaped your life? Well, um, you know, it's the greatest thing my wife and I have ever done. Um, people say, hey, what a really cool thing you did. I'm like, no, we're so lucky to have those kids. They've made our life complete. Uh, you know, my wife was unable to have children and we, uh, she was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. But I said to her, I said, honey, I didn't marry you because of your ability biologically to have children. Mm-hmm. I married you because I love you. Let's adopt. Yeah. She's like, what? I said, let's adopt. I mean, let's let's do it. You know, it's the next best thing, or it's 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 as good, if not better, than the other thing. You know, and I couldn't love a biological son or daughter any more than I love my three sons, and um, they've been a blessing. They're my legacy. They're my wife's legacy, just like uh, your 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 parents' legacy. And uh, so I, I I'm so fortunate to have them in my life, and. Um, you know, then people say, wow, you, you know, you guys adopted a, a biracial son and two African-American sons. I'm like, yeah, so what? Mm-hmm. I'm a basketball coach. My, you know, my growing up in Brooklyn uh, and, co- and playing and coaching, my life has been a cultural mosaic and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and something I celebrate. Right. Um, I don't see a color. I, I see a person, you know, and, and, you know, so here we've had. Uh, you know, we, uh, when we had the kids, uh, you know, there'd be times they'd be up on your shoulder or you're in an airport and people looking at you like, who, you know, who's that white guy holding this little black kid's hand? Mm. And, you know, then I'm, you know, my, my youngest guy, Tim, was a, like really hyper as a kid. And, you know, you constantly have to yell at him and people looking at you like, who is this guy yelling at this right, little right. guy? No, that's my son. You know, <laughs> uh, so it was great. It was right. really great. And they're, they're, beautiful kids and uh, one's out of college and two are still in college and uh, That's great. finding their way in life. And, you know, there's been ups and downs and twists and turns and all that, but I love them and I'm proud of them. And, and uh, I'm, uh, my wife, Dina and I are so grateful to have them. And, uh, you know, I highly encourage it. I right. really do. There's so many kids out there that, that, uh, that need a home right. that need, that need love and attention and discipline and direction and, uh, I'm, I'm the furthest thing from a perfect father. Uh, I do the best I can. Uh, I've made mistakes, as every parent does. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, I guess we're perfectly imperfect, you know, but you, you try to give them structure and love and direction and discipline and tell them uh, what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear, tough right. love, yeah. and challenge them to be better. At times, make them uncomfortable. I don't think you grow and get better uh, by, you know, a, a, when I was a little kid, the nun said, I went to Catholic school, and the nun said, this is not about your comfort. This is about your character. You don't grow from comfort. You grow from being uncomfortable. Right. Uh, because you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, how do I grow? How do I change? Well, how do I get better? So I, I've tried to be uh, 
as fair and as honest and uh, play no favorites. They all think they're the favorite. They all think they're the, the least favorite. You yeah, know? Right, right, but right. I always tell them it's 33.3333333. And, yeah. uh, and that's how, you know, you just do the best you can. And, and, and uh, it's been great. It's been a, it, it's been a, every, you know, every which way it's been really special. That's amazing. Um, at this point in your life, as you mentioned, you worked, what, 22 years here with the Raptors. Do you feel more like a Canadian or an American? Because you live I, right on the border. I too. live my, literally my backyard. I live on the Niagara River. My backyard is Queenston Heights and Niagara and the Lake. Yeah. I live across from there. I mean, I, I the dogs are barking in the morning yeah. in, in Queenston, Niagara and the Lake. I can, you know, um, you know, I, I I can hear people having in the summertime. I can hear people right. out on their back patio on the other side of the river, and I'm on mine. You know, right, and, right. And, uh, so I'm that close to Canada. You know, growing up in New York, uh, you just kind of you, you go to New Jersey, you go to Connecticut, big deal. It's like whatever. It's a tri-state area. Yeah, living in Western New York. I think the cool thing about Western New York is I don't think anyone in Western New York looks and says. That's Canada. Like if yeah. you're in downtown Buffalo, you don't go. That's Canada. You go. That's Fort Erie. Yeah, yeah. That's just oh, that's Fort Erie over there on the other side of the bridge. Or hey, there's Niagara and a Lake. I yeah, don't look yeah. at it as Canada. I just look at it as Niagara and a Lake. Yeah, uh, they're pretty similar places. Too, yeah, and you know, I, I just think Western New York and and Southern Ontario have this really cool connection. I'm a Buffalo Bill season ticket holder. Uh, I go to Saber games. I see a lot of people from. Southern Ontario, all across Canada at these games. And it, it's just a great connection. So um, I feel really fortunate to be adopted here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, because the people here are just special. I, 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 love, I love Canada and I love the people here because they're fun. Uh, they're, they're kind. Right. They're considerate. Uh, they care. Uh, they've embraced me, and um, you know what did the great Marv Levy say? Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? And I feel that way about working here. You know, and and I've had I've had experiences where people have said, "Well, uh, would you ever consider?" And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I had an opportunity many years ago when the Nets were moving from New Jersey to go mm-hmm. to Brooklyn, and obviously having NBA experience as a broadcaster, having been a college head coach and right. being from Brooklyn, yep. I have that New York, Brooklyn sound. And I said, no, I'm happy here. Right. Um, so uh, people say, oh, you know, when are you going to go work in the States? I'm like, no, there's no better job than right here. Um, yeah. I, if they have, if they'll have me, yeah. I hope to be here for a, a good while longer. If they, if they'll have me. That's amazing. Um, Honestly, you, like, you know, you're beloved in this country for sure. Like, if I went to any Raptors fan and I said, you can have a beer with anybody and chat Raptors, I feel like you're you're definitely the guy. <laughs> so to, what's, the, what's the craziest experience you've ever had with a fan? Wow. Because uh, I'm sure you, you mentioned the Raptors fans are in every NBA city nowadays. Oh, I, I've had so many. Uh, oh. I mean, we've met we've met so many people out at restaurants and mm-hmm. bars, and uh, I've had people. Uh, I'm out running, and I run by them, and then I've had people yeah. chase me just to say hello and get a picture. And uh, and you're fast, so I, I, I wouldn't say I'm fast. I'm out there chugging away on my daily run, but um, 
I, I just I, I, it's hard to give one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just know that I, I I feel like a great love and warmth within right, me right. when I see these people because they really uh, are excited to meet you and, and they love their team and they love their country and they love uh, what it represents. So. Uh, it's just it's a welcoming warm feeling right and and i think that's why you know it's interesting i spoke at a, a, a college of sports media today these kids and i you know i'm as i mentioned earlier i'm a son of immigrants and the united states is not a perfect place canada is not a perfect place uh, yeah but I, I said to these young people i said but remember one thing everyone wants to come to these places so there's a lot of good going on too that's right and we're both beneficiaries of uh, freedom and, and like a place where, you know, you can grow and it, it, is it perfect? Far from it. Right. But so to be in a society like this that is inclusionary rather than exclusionary right. uh, and to value people and to treat people with respect uh, is really cool. And I, I just, that's what I love about being in Toronto and being in Canada that, um, and they're just people—they have a good time. People yeah, have yeah, fun. Yeah. That's, people that's have fun. You get—you just get showered with love wherever you go. Well, you know? and and I feel, and I, I think they get my idiotic sense of humor yeah. and my passion, and and uh, you know, like I always say, uh, William, uh, I'm 56, and I started playing basketball when I was six, and I so I've had 50 years, and I can't thank that orange ball enough. Right, like that orange ball's given me everything in my life. I mean, I wouldn't have met my wife; she was the women's soccer coach at Niagara. Yeah, I wouldn't meet her. Uh, I've traveled the world. I've met incredible people. I've learned the greatest life lessons about myself through the ups and downs of playing, coaching, and broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I've become a better man, right, uh, because of it. Uh, you know. And I tell young people all the time, that might be to you a paintbrush. It might be the piano. It might be dance. It might be song. It might be law. It might be medicine. But you got to find that thing you love. Right. And that orange ball has given me joy. And, uh, and, and this place for 22 years has given me joy. And I can't thank that ball enough. And I can't thank uh, Toronto. And I can't thank Canada enough. That's amazing. All right. Three more questions. Let's say it's a typical road trip. You're in whichever NBA city, Atlanta or something. Like, what's your routine on an off day? On an off day or on a game day? Off day. Off day. Yeah. Uh, usually, uh, if I have an off day, I'm going to get a long run in. Yeah. Uh, and I have a favorite running spot in every city. Wow. Uh, I'm going to uh, obviously uh, figure out where we're going to dinner that night. And yeah. we have to meet somewhere for a beverage before dinner. So that's uh, two priorities always. Uh, you know, usually I get up in the morning. I call my wife. I call my mother. I reach out to my three sons. Uh, I call my mother every day. Right. She's 92. I love her. She's my hero. Uh, I What do I do then? I, I You know, I, I look at all the scores from the night before. I read all the stats. I read all the stories. Um, and... Uh, a lot of it is on uh, days like that, emails, phone calls. I do a ton of radio shows. Yeah, you're really generous. Uh, I have a uh, now a, a thing that I travel with called the Road de Gero that TSN gave me. And literally, I could throw a blue blazer uh, shirt and tie on. They shoot, you know, you shoot, you get shot waist up. I can be wearing pajamas. Yeah. Uh, and I shoot stuff for a sports center right. uh, in my hotel room or wherever. 
So uh, a lot of it's, you know, in this job, a lot of it's planning. And then mm. uh, in, you, you get a lot of demands on your time. That's true. On yeah. off days, uh, he, you know, if, if uh, here in Toronto particularly, uh, speaking at events. Right. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of corporate speaking or motivational speaking, whatever, uh, commercials, things like that. So you're busy. Yeah. You know, and, oh, but yeah. it's all about uh, trying to help promote the game. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like that bad of a life. No, it's not. It doesn't suck. Uh, who is your biggest inspiration? Oh, my mom. Uh, you know, William, every time I talk to kids, uh, my mom's 92. My dad died of a heart attack when I was seven. Uh, my oldest brother was 14. I was seven. I was the youngest. And, uh, th- you know, I slept in the same bed as my brother, Brendan. Um uh, you know, Brooklyn that we grew up in is not like the Brooklyn now, which is Disneyland. Uh, it was a rough place. Right. I had a lot of friends go the other way in crime and drugs and alcohol and you name it. Um, and she kept us on a straight and narrow. And, and she, you know, again, I mentioned before, my parents are immigrants from Ireland. Um, you know, she was a school lunch lady. I mean, she literally served breakfast and lunch to Stefan Marbury, PS 238. Wow. Wow. In uh, in Brooklyn, yeah, and P- I'll never forget. Stefan Marbury came up to me. He goes, "Hey, Coach, man, your mom was the coolest lunch lady that I ever had in my whole life." And I'm like, "That's really cool, Steph. That's incredible." Uh, but uh, she was a just a sweetheart of a woman, mm-hmm. and she still is. And I called my mom. She's 92. I was with her last Thursday for U.S. Thanksgiving. Uh, she's my hero. Uh, I wouldn't be here today without everything she's done for me and everything she's done for my three older brothers. My oldest brother is a hospital CFO. My second brother is an aeronautical engineer. Right. My third brother is uh, owns his own company. He's bought and sold. He's killing it. And I'm an idiot basketball coach. Oh, but, come on. Uh, but everything we have in our yeah. life is because of her. And, and uh, I look at so many of the new Canadians now uh, – you know, my mom and dad came to the United States in the 1950s. They met in an Irish dance in the Bronx, got married in the Bronx, and we grew up in Brooklyn. Um, living the American dream, yeah. living the Canadian dream. You know, like, uh, I'm first generation, and I get to do something right. like this. You could do anything you want. And my mom never uh, held us back and never discouraged us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I call my mom every day. Uh, and I always finish the conversation with the three most magical words you can tell somebody. I love you. And uh, so she's she's it. Well, she did well. She did well. <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying son. my best. Uh, and then last question. What's the secret to life? Well, call um, your mom every day. I feel like that's got to well, be one I'll of them. Call your mom every day and, and, and be happy or find a way to seek out happiness. Find a way to find that thing in your lo- life you love. I talk about the orange ball. Uh, I, and I mentioned this to you before, uh, you know, we were chatting about your younger brother and I mentioned to you, uh, to read, uh, Hunter S Thompson, finding your purpose. I think we all have to find, we have to live a purposeful life. There has to be things in your life that, uh, you live for. I mean, I I love sports, but I love people. I love the joy of connecting with people and being with people and laughing and, uh, hugging them and being and helping them and uh, you know people go through tough times and being there for them. You know what's, what do I say? A true friend, a, a true friend walks in when the rest of the world walks out. You know, you you know, I, you got to be loyal to people. You got to help people. You got to lend a helping hand. So uh, I guess my motto would be, uh, you know, a guy 
said a number of years ago, a guy was coaching a college all-star trip uh, in Greece, a guy named Brian Bury, uh, who was a, my assistant on the trip, and Brian was a Division II coach at St. Rose College in Albany. So we're sitting one night having a beer, and it's a beautiful night in Greece. And you know, I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? These two knucklehead basketball coaches coaching, get to coach this tour. And he looks at me, he goes, are you happy? I'm like, yeah, damn right I'm happy. He goes, remember, don't fuck with happy. Right, yeah. That's <laughs> you great know, advice. so That's great advice. I think if you can find that place in your life, uh, career, uh, family, right. uh, friends. personal, friends, yeah. celebrate it. You know, I yeah. call it heaven on earth moments with your friends. Like when you have those cool moments with your, your friends, you might be at a baseball game together or you're on a golf trip or you're hanging out in a bar, or you're at a concert together, or you're out to dinner, karaoke, whatever it is, cherish those moments. And and really, so I I try to like uh, say, man, that was a really cool night, or that was a really cool conversation I had with that person. Or uh, like, so I guess trying to find joy Mm -hmm. in a world that a lot of times saps joy out of your life. Right, for sure. Uh, and, and trying to find those little hidden moments uh, where you connect with people and you bring joy to people. Right. Uh, and, and as I was saying earlier, you meet the moment, you know, where you, uh, you're there for people when they, they need you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you, try to, you try to do the best you can. And you also look in the mirror and realize you're perfectly imperfect, that you, you're never going to be able to uh, please everybody, um, but you do your best. And... Um, so again, I'm I'm just so lucky and um, to be here, and uh, I'm I'm thankful that you you asked me to be on today. Oh, thank you, honestly. Um, last thing before we go, last thing before we go, you handed me a, a very very awesome gift last week when we spoke. It was a Christmas sweater. <laughs> it fits really well. Oh, it yeah, looks the, really good. I'm not even just uh, oh the, the, the Christmas I'm, sweater. I'm not even just buttering you up, man. It's actually a good product. So well, where can we you. get more of these Christmas? Well, sweaters? we got. I tell you what. The, what, what today's date is December fifth. So the holidays are twenty days away. I mean, if you need stocking stuffers, yes. go to hellojack.ca. That's right, hellojack.ca. I can't say hello really loud right now because I got to get ready for a game. I don't want to strain my voice, but um, uh. So we got toques, we got hats, we got Christmas sweaters and blankets yeah. and all sorts of funny stuff, T-shirts. Uh, and I have so many people come up to me and, you know, they wear the shirt and I autograph the shirts. And right. People send me pictures of giving it to people, uh, their friends and family at Christmas. So uh, I think it's a pretty cool stocking stuffer and uh, people... Especially if you're a Raptor fan. You know? Especially yeah, Raptor fans. And, and, you know, if there's ever a year to celebrate... Yeah. Uh, this is the year. So hopefully people will check out hellojack.ca and get a few things. Yeah, I mean, it's marketed as the ugly holiday sweater, but I got to say, it's, it looks pretty good. And there's it's also, it. I see a, a picture of you with a, the Biggie Oh, the Biggie cover. one, yeah, from My, last year, the Brooklyn game. Yeah. That's incredible. I did the Biggie shout-out last year during the Brooklyn Nets game. So that went completely viral. Yeah, they yeah. did T-shirts. It was funny. Two weeks ago, I am in. Uh, we're in L.A. Mm-hmm. playing the Lakers one night. Right. And the Clippers the next night. 
I see Phil Handy, mm-hmm. assistant with the Lakers, former yep. Raptor assistant. He goes, Jack, I just wore your Big E shirt a few weeks ago. Oh, my God. And he's like, people in L.A. are going, who the hell's that guy? Because <laughs> that's my man, Jack Armstrong. Yeah. And then the next day, I see Jeremy Castleberry, who uh-huh. was an assistant with the Raptors, who's now with the Clippers. Yeah. He and Kawhi are really tight. And he says the same thing. He goes, Jack, I have I, I have your Big E shirt. People want to know, who the hell is this guy? Wow. He goes, that's my man, Jack. You know, so. Jeez. Uh, so it's all over the place. There, there you, you go. go. Hello, Jack. Entropyshirts.com. But honestly, just search in Hello, Jack, and you'll find it. Thank you so much, it's, Wayman. It's, it's been product. a thrill to be on with you. Thank you. And um, we got game number 21, 21 tonight. Yeah. So you know, it's we got a tough s- game. 20 down, 62 to go, but who's counting? And, and, yeah. Oh, I'm excited. This will be fun tonight. The Rockets, Raptors, two really good teams, and I'm pumped up. All right, Jack, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. William, my pleasure. You sure the equipment worked this time? This time it worked, and if it doesn't, I am i don't even know what I'm going to do. It will not be but, a podcast uh, number three. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, big thanks to KFC again for sponsoring the podcast. Buckets! And, uh, yeah, I'll work on the buckets call. You know, I got to I gotta come up with a special something for t- for KFC as well. It's not exactly. as good as you, you're screaming buckets, but. It's all good. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Jack. My pleasure, William. And uh, as for the podcast, we'll be back next week. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.